Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of the Fitness Devil podcast. Uh, today's guest is Kelly Coffey, who's a friend and one of the coolest trainers and public speakers that I know. She's going to come and talk about uh, self-sabotage, uh, obesity, a whole bunch of the mental aspects of a lot of people's battles. And she talks a lot about sex, too, so stick around for that. And really important for us, too. We'd love it if you guys could make the effort to like our Facebook page, Fitness Devil podcast page. And reviews on iTunes help us so much boost ourselves in the rankings on iTunes so that more people can follow us and find us. So five-star reviews, please and thank you. Pull over the car, do it right now, and enjoy the episode. Shut up and sit down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Andrew Coates, uh, Dean Guido sitting right across from me, but uh, we don't really matter too much because our guest is super cool. Uh, today, we've got Kelly Coffee of strongcoffee.com. Coffee spelt with a Y, not two E's. And uh, she's pretty great. It would have been better with two E's, by the way. But No, it makes I you know. unique. <laughs> it would have been so much cooler. You could have played on coffee so much better. Anyways. No, I love it. Uh, so Kelly's a certified personal trainer and a coach, uh, but no credential really quite captures who she is and what she does. So instead of a long drawn out intro, Kelly, I want you to introduce yourself and your mission. My mission. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Andrew, for having me on. It's always good to talk to you. Uh, my mission is to help women who suffer from chronic self-sabotage. So who find themselves perpetually starting and stopping and most often losing weight and then regaining it to give them the tools and the support that they need to change for once and for all and for life in a way that is sustainable and feels good and works for them in the context of their real lives. Quick question. You said women. So your clientele are largely women, but do you feel like this ever applies to men? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I have worked with men in the past, but what I've discovered for one reason or another, um, and I, I don't know why, is that women tend to stay longer and uh, benefit more from programs that are catered to them specifically. So I chose to, it was a hard decision to make, but I chose to just focus on women. Well, that's pretty common in our industry too, is, is a lot of people do niche themselves and serve the people that they're best able to help. Plus guys don't listen. Well, actually, there's another good point. Do you feel like there's Sorry. any there's any stigma that guys experience with trying to explore these kind of deep reaches of their um, you know, emotional relationships with this sort of stuff? Oh, my goodness, so much. Yeah. And I have to say that the men that I have worked with probably, you know, I, I probably spent more time supporting them and coaching them and sort of nursing them along, um, than I have with women. Um, so, so not only does, does this apply to them and, but they, they need extra support and, um, and, and, and that's a, that's a really hard place to be because there is a huge stigma, I think, against men addressing the sort of emotional roots of their sort of self-destructive behaviors. 
Well, I guess I want to bring that because I didn't want the guys who were going to listen to this episode or regulars to go, oh, this is, this is one about women. Like, oh, it's peace out. <laughs> this is a chick flick. I'm out. <laughs> They're just uh, good talking no. about women. Guys, like, no, just, just guys are worse. Stick around because Kelly is incredibly <laughs> fun. But uh, yeah, like I, I've told a lot of women that I, I train, a lot of my friends, like, hey, this is this is someone you need to meet. This is someone you need to follow. But I really hope the guys will actually stick around too because you'd be surprised how – Interesting. This whole conversation is going to get, and we're not just going to stay in a lot of like you know quote chick type stuff either, right? <laughs> you're not going to fuck around, basically. Uh, so our work. So you're a trainer. We're all trainers, but it's not all about teaching good form on lunges and nutritional info. Info. You kind of really attack that mental and emotional aspect of our work and helping people. So can you kind of talk about this whole self sabotage thing and kind of elaborate why people get stuck? and how they slide back into it. Sure. So uh, in my work, I have discovered that there is at least a, there is a, a portion of people, part of the population who struggle to make change for life. Uh, the root of their struggle can be traced back to ideas that they were given in childhood about their own value and their own worth. And I know that you know, people talk about this stuff endlessly, and it's sort of annoying as a talking point, even to me at this point. <laughs> but uh, but the, the fact that it is an influence and a destructive influence on us, on women in particular, and many, many men, is, is something that's not often addressed and needs to be addressed if we are going to be effective trainers for the people that we work with who need us the most, right? It's not the person who comes into your gym seven days a week, who wears your t-shirt, who, you know, is a walking billboard for your business that is the person that needs you the most. The person that needs you the most is the 75-pound overweight woman who sort of shyly walks in on January 1st wanting to know what your rates are. Right. So, so what I've discovered is that shame, the notion that there is something wrong with us and it doesn't matter what we do, there is always going to be something wrong with us, something big, something blaring, something that means that we're not worth our own time and attention or anybody else's time and attention. That is the root of um, our inability to follow through on the commitments that we make to ourselves. Because as soon as things get rough, as soon as things get expensive, as soon as they get inconvenient, as soon as they inconvenience someone else, heaven for fucking fend, <laughs> then we bail. Because we can't handle the stress, the, the physical experience of the stress that it causes us to feel like we're putting anybody out or even putting ourselves out in service to our health. Plus, we have this tape going in our heads all the time that says, you know what, this isn't going to fucking work anyway. So why do you even bother? Why are you going to spend that money? Why even bother? Why are you going to go out in the cold and work out? Why even bother? Right? So that tape is constantly playing. And then you combine that narrative, that like, just sit down and give up narrative with the physical experience of shame and discomfort. And it's just, it makes it impossible to, it makes it impossible to stay away from the middle of the grocery store. It makes it impossible to commit to paying 90 bucks a month to, to go to your local gym. Like it makes it impossible. And, and my work is all about shining a light on the fact that all of that is going on and giving people practical tools and tips to help them make those good choices 
regardless of the fact that they're hearing these messages and they're feeling these feelings because the messages don't stop and the feelings don't stop but how we choose to react to them is entirely within our control and that's what i empower people to to own i love that message actually and something i talk a lot about with people too is this idea about internal locus of control and specifically control and the word blame gets thrown around a whole lot that gets really negative i don't like that instead of reframing it into responsibility and control. And when people understand, yep, the decisions you made to get you here, those are things that ultimately you were part of that decision-making process. When people can understand that, I feel like then they feel like, hey, I can control the future. I can control the outcome through my actions. I'm very wary of anything that alleviates all responsibility from an individual in their fitness, in their nutrition, or any walk of life, because those people are perpetually set up as victims, and they set, they blame everyone and everything else around them. And I don't think those people are ever equipped to be able to take action, make choices that will better their future. What do you feel about that? I agree. So uh, there are. I have. I've sort of narrowed it down to. There are, there are four ways that people who suffer from shame-based self-sabotage react to the experience of feeling uh, like they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. So, and, and one of the, so just very briefly. So there's sort of like four maladaptive reactions to the experience of who am I kidding? What am I doing? One of them is uh, lashing out at other people. And that can mean sort of, oh, this person's making me feel uncomfortable. I'm going to insult them and rip them to shreds with my razor sharp tongue until Jesus. they're crying on the floor. Or it can mean lashing out can mean placing blame for the actions that we choose to take on other people. So we're sort of, we're sort of projecting the irrational self-destructive choices that we're making onto everyone but ourselves so we blame our spouses for not making enough money so we can't actually afford to go to the gym so screw you you're the reason why i'm unhealthy or we blame a popular one and one that i did for a long time is we blame our parents for not setting us up with uh, good role models, you know, and, and, and for giving us those messages to begin with that we were worthless and that we weren't uh, worth the time and the effort and the money, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the, the blame piece is a huge problem. Um, and not that those things necessarily aren't true. They often are. And yet there is always a better decision that we could choose to make if only we would focus on the power that we have in the moment and not on the shortcomings of other people. Well, I was going to say, like, even the fact that you're thinking those things means that you have the power to change stuff. Because if you're kind of taking a self-reflective right. look at that, like, oh, my parents this, my parents that, you've already figured out that that was wrong. Right. So and and this is a problem when this is what I lead with when I work with people is here are the ways that you react to your own internal experience of feeling worthless. And here is why they are destructive to you. And I start to, you know, I, I, I start to pull the veil off of oh, and, and here's your tendency to place blame on your parents for setting you up in such a shitty way and not giving you positive role models and not giving you good healthy habits. And as soon as I start to like, show them what they're doing 
and why it's hurting them and the fact that it's totally unnecessary for them to continue to do that and that they can instead say acknowledge that they weren't set up well and make better choices people bail because they don't want to give up the sort of righteous uh indignance they don't want to give up the perfectly reasonable sounding excuses why they're not taking the steps that they know they need to take in order to feel better and live longer and be healthier. And, and so it's a hard sell. (laughs) Yeah. You tell them the truth and they're like, fuck this. Get me out of here. What are you doing? Wait, somebody give me some bulletproof coffee. I heard putting fucking butter in my coffee will make me thin. Let me go over there and do that. So how do you shut up, (laughs) Kelly Coffee? You're an asshole. How do you fight that then? It happens every day. Because you know you know that it's gonna be I don't even know if it's a fifty fifty shot at this point. But I mean if you have that real talk with them, how do you try to like I guess navigate them to not quitting? Does that make sense? Oh man. Because I know you probably know it's coming. (laughs) If they're so married to being comfortably in denial there's nothing that i can do in the beginning there's no honest thing that i can do in the beginning like and i'm only i i i my own mental emotional and physical health and well-being depend on me being honest so i refuse to blow smoke up anybody's ass um and and oftentimes i just have to be like i totally understand i get it that this is uncomfortable and frustrating if and when you feel ready to come back and listen to me the door is always open to you but if they if they're not there they're not there and there's nothing that i can do to help them in that moment and that's fair at the beginning cuz i mean you're not going to invest a lot of time if they're not if they're not ready for it either especially after yeah. that conversation <laughs> well I, yeah i think anyone who's used to blaming everyone else. And, and again, I think I've encountered people in my life. They're just perpetual victims and being confronted with the fact that, wait a second, no, this is actually, they did this to themselves in a fairly significant way. Some people cannot process that. They cannot deal with that or shift out of that mindset because they have learned to get through life as a victim and they're just not willing to take responsibility for their own decisions or actions or behavior. Maybe they'll arrive at that some at some point. They're not there yet. It is important to note that initially they were a victim. Yeah, I was that there was some injury. There, there, there is. You know, most of the time, this doesn't come out of nowhere. You know, there is some initial slight or initial abuse or trauma or neglect or whatever it is, and 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 so that exists. And and choosing to make better choices today, despite that, is 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 really hard to do but completely necessary and we have a choice every single day you know we didn't have a choice to become the victim initially but we have a choice every single day every minute of every day whether or not we're going to continue to live in that space that victimhood space or if we're going to take our power and use it for our own benefit and it's all about taking our power and using it for our own benefit in ways that make us feel pleasure like that's that's what i that's what i do that makes a ton of sense, and I'm glad you clarified that point too. Um, well, the whole reason why we're here um, recording this podcast is because I was first introduced to you. You were the opening speaker in Kansas City at the Fitness Summit this past May, and you relayed your own transformation story. So we really wanted to share with people that so they could perhaps relate to where you've been in life. They might be a little surprised at this one, so fire away. Uh <laughs> So I, uh, like you said, I'm a, I'm a 
I'm an ACSM certified personal trainer today. I am a, a coach, but I am the, the fact that that is what I do today is like the best punchline ever because I was, I was obese from the word go like four or five years old. I, uh, I weighed over 300 pounds by the time I was 17. I am, uh, I am in recovery. I, I have drug addiction and alcoholism and food addiction and pick a thing. The, actually the only thing that I haven't developed an addiction to is gambling. That's like Kelly coffee trivia. What's the one thing Kelly <laughs> coffee has never been addicted to gambling. How, how interesting. Um, but Not you know, I'm only, I'm in my thirties. Like I'm young. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, so I, I reached a bottom, uh, with the weight thing much younger than most people do by virtue of the fact that I was as big as I was as young as I was and had been for so long. And I had been dieting, I had been attempting to lose that weight since I was five years old. My mom, also obese, shocker, I know. Uh, she had been taking me to Weight Watchers meetings um, in Queens, New York, from the age of five. And so I was indoctrinated into diet culture, wicked young, and I, um, I, I did the dance. I lost... 20 pounds and then I gained 30 and then I'd lost 40 and then I gained 60 and I just kept doing that until I was over 300 pounds. And then, um, a few years after that, well, I should say that at my heaviest, I decided that what I was doing was crazy and that I should just accept my body as it was. I was just going to embrace my body as it was. And I wasn't going to worry about food anymore. And I certainly wasn't going to diet anymore. And I was just going to do my best as I was. And emotionally and mentally, that was a really big step forward. But what ended up happening physically was that I gained weight faster than I ever had in my whole life. And I am, uh, you know, I, I am, I, I developed all of these problems because I like to feel good, right? I like to feel pleasure. I like to feel, you know, I, I'm a hedonist at heart and I could not I couldn't deny that I felt like shit and every single pound that I gained made me feel shittier. And so, um, and so I realized that this was not a sustainable model either. This like fat acceptance, I'm just going to be okay with a thing was not sustainable. Um, and so I decided to have weight loss surgery in 2003. I had, uh, the big kahuna gastric bypass and I was, as everyone is who has weight loss surgery, entirely convinced that this was the magic bullet that would solve all my problems. I would get skinny. I would stay skinny. My life would begin. I would grow wings. I would fly into the heavens and there would be heart music and it would be fucking awesome. And I had the surgery and I lost 170 pounds in under a year. Boom. And I hit a plateau and immediately started to gain my weight back because because the surgery didn't do anything to my brain and it didn't do anything to the way I experienced shame and it didn't do anything to the way that I uh, cope or don't with my own emotions and with my own reality. And there is only one way once you've hit that bottom weight to go unless you address all of the reasons why you ended up heavy to begin with, which is back up. And so I started going back up and eventually, I had one of those dark nights of the soul 
that we hear about so much. Um, but it was pretty profound on my end. And, uh, you know, I realized that I had done absolutely everything in my power to stop myself from being obese, um, that involved restricting food and doing nothing else. And, uh, clearly that was not going to work. Clearly that was not the way. And so I, um, I did one of those, I did one of those extreme 180 degree turns where I, um, I decided instead of trying to fix this body that was broken and wrong and horrible and needed to be tamed, I was going to just take the best care of it that I was capable of taking each time I had a decision to make. And that sounds ridiculously simple and stupid, and it is what it is the solution that everyone is paying through the nose to try to find you know it's not it's not then it's not in a bag and it's not in a box and it's certainly not in putting butter in your coffee it's not it's not anything more complicated than making the most caring choice that is available to you each time you have a choice and this became sort of the cornerstone of my practice and of course, you know, there's other things, there's lots of other things. And I lift weights and I do this and I meditate and I breathe and I really like to masturbate. And there's just, there's a lot of things that go into my wellness box, so to speak. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but the cornerstone of all of it is that I make the most caring choice that I'm capable of making each moment that I have a choice and using that as my guiding principle my main question was, so you're sitting there contemplating weight loss. How, how did you come to that decision of taking better care of yourself? Because that's really simple considering right. what you just right. went through. Like where did that idea come from? So that's a really good question. The, the night that I turned around, the, the night that I, that I mark as like the beginning of this part of my life, uh, I had eaten – I, I had binged to the point that I could because I had this little tiny pouch of a stomach because of the weight loss surgery that I'd had, right? So I couldn't eat, I couldn't take down a whole pizza anymore, but I could pack it in, right? But I would eat so much that I would pass out in a cold sweat in pain, right? So I had done that. I had binged, I had passed out in a cold sweat. I woke up in the middle of the night and the first thing that I did was walk into the kitchen and open the refrigerator door. And I, it was dark and it was cold. It was March. I was living in a shithole. And I realized in that moment that I had done everything. I had spent thousands of dollars to have this surgery and it, it wasn't, it wasn't working. It wasn't enough. Not only was it not enough, but trying to fix what was wrong with me in the aggressive way that I was doing was I was going to end up accidentally, incidentally killing myself. I was never suicidal. I have never felt suicidal, but I realized that the, the making efforts to fix my broken self, you know, to right all of my wrongs was going to accidentally put me in an early grave. And I had this thought standing there in my kitchen in the cold in this white robe that I still have with the refrigerator door open and me lit by that light. I was like, I love myself 
and I don't want to die. You know, like I, I love myself enough that I do not want to die. I am not prepared to stop living yet. And if, if that is true, if I have enough love in me to not want to die, then I have just enough love in me to start to take care of myself instead of trying to beat myself into submission, trying to beat my body into submission, trying to stop being so fucked up, right? If I love myself enough to not die, I love myself enough to just take care of myself so that I'm never in this moment again. And that was the thought that those were the thoughts as they unfolded in my head. And that was where the word care came from. Like, this was not something, this was not self care in, you know, this was 2005 self care in 2005 was like nothing. You know, the internet wasn't even really that big yet. And, you know, not everybody was a freaking beach body coach pushing self care at any (laughs) cost. YouTube YouTube just came out. Like it was 2005. YouTube had just come out, right? (laughs) Like this was, this was cutting edge shit in 2005. (laughs) Right. So I'm standing in my kitchen and I'm like, I got to take care of myself. And like, it sounds so played out and so simple now because we're so saturated by this self-care wave bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but in that moment, it was like, holy shit, yeah. I just need to take care of this body. I just need to put fuel in it that it wants and that it feels good about taking in. I just need to move because it feels good to move. I just need to sleep because I feel better when I wake up having slept. Like, I just need to not freaking binge drink because I don't like hangovers. You know, I just need to not do these abusive things because when I take care of this body, I feel better. And all I want at the end of the day is to feel as good as possible for as long as possible without end. And so that's where that concept of care came from. (laughs) Well, it's a good story, too, because I think that some of the greatest coaches in the world usually have some sort of story, maybe not as, I don't want to say cryptic, but maybe not so like that, but everyone has their own story. So people like you and Carter Good have these lifestyle, major physical transformations. So how has that experience kind of shaped your work going forward? Because I'm assuming at that point you you got into this industry and you're like, hey, I got this great simple idea. So kind of explain that and your experience in your work with that transformation. Well, um, it, you know, it, my, my work has, you know, it's unfolded. This is, this is 12 years ago. So I've done a lot since then. Um, I, I started going to the gym religiously after that night, uh, because it felt good because lifting weights felt good and I want to feel good at all costs. And, uh, I, how I became a personal trainer, how I got the inspiration to become a personal trainer was I was watching all these obese women work with personal trainers at my local gym. And I was like, you know what? They'd be a hell of a lot more motivated to stick with it. And they'd get a hell of a lot better workout and more appropriate for them if they were working with me. And I was like, Hey, wait a minute. I could be a personal trainer. That's crazy. I can't be a personal trainer. I went to a women's college. I'm supposed to be a lawyer or a doctor or God. And I was like, you know what? I could be a personal trainer, but I could be like the best personal trainer that's ever been. 
good idea. So then I got my personal training certification and I did that very successfully for many years. And I would just talk to my clients, you know, I would talk Turkey and I would tell them what to do and how to do it. And I would give them my tools and my tips. And one day in a session, one of my clients asked me to please start blogging so that she could share the stuff that I told her with her daughter, who would hear it from me, but wouldn't hear it from her mother. So that's why I started blogging. And my blog took off really quickly. And eventually, I wrote a piece called Five Things I Miss About Weighing Over 300 Pounds, um, which if you haven't read it, you probably should, because it's good. And that went viral all over the planet. And all of a sudden, I had people from Japan and New Zealand sending me emails wanting to work with me. I had no capacity to do that. I was not an online trainer. I'm still not. Um, but I was in they I wanted to offer them something, so I created the Pleasure Principles course, which is where I teach all of the things that I do to maintain the transformation um, and to enjoy it. And so now I do that, and because of all of that, you know, my name got out there, and now I speak, and I'm a motivational speaker, and I get brought into places like the Fitness Summit to tell my story. So, um, but, but the reason why my career has unfolded with its own sort of momentum, I think, is because I have been as bad off as most of the worst case scenarios that work that walk into our gyms. I have been exactly where they are. I know exactly how they feel. I totally get it. And I have totally turned it around. And they can hear me. They can believe me. They can put faith in me and take the support that I give much more easily and effectively than they tend to be able to do when they're standing across from a trainer or a coach who appears to them to just be giving lip service to the problem, right? Someone who they perceive as never having been more than 20 pounds overweight, or someone who they perceive as never having struggled with addiction, someone that they perceive has had an easy go of it since they fell out of their mother's womb, right? They know that that's not the case with me. They know that I was a hard case, and they know that I struggled. And they know that I succeeded. And so they they, it's just easier for them to connect with me and to stay connected with me. That you, makes tons of sense. Yeah, and I was gonna say, do you lead that story? Because I'm, I'm sure there's some people. Well, maybe back then, not all of them knew Kelly Coffee the way everyone does now. Like, would you lead with that? Because that is a huge piece to working with that kind of clientele and getting them to buy in. Is that hey, I've fucking been there. Like, when does that conversation come up? Right? Um, you know, I don't, I don't. Well, so. <sighs> I'm trying to think of how I start <laughs> relationships with people now. That's really funny because there's all different ways that I start relationships. I do. I suppose I do lead with that story because that is the most important part. Um, that's the, that's what I have discovered is the most important part to the women that I support who've been with me for years is I know where they're coming from. I have the tools that they need and the support that I give them will be meaningful support based on my own experience. Oh, that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, you're, like you're living proof of success coming from where they're already starting. So, like, I just I can see how people could really get behind it and believe that they could be successful too. I even like the fact. So, like, I don't know. It, 
how old, I don't want to say how old you. A, a lot of people <laughs> around that time frame when they first started out was like, I started a blog, and like that's like I don't even think people can conceive. I don't even think some people even know what blogs are at this point. It's like I started an Instagram account, so it's kind of cool that that is pretty much what kickstarted a lot of this. Was like I just started writing on the internet. Well, Dean Somerset's got the same story. That's really yeah. how he got going with this stuff too. And obviously his career has turned out. You guys have probably traveled fairly similar paths, even though your clientele and your, your audience is probably a little bit different. So we've seen that a lot with, I would say that generation of trainers and, and fitness professionals that are now in the public speaking circuit and have been around in the industry for more than a decade. Well, as you, re- you read articles, not to cut you off, but like, yeah, I remember like I was like 2005. I'm like, how do you get big and all this stuff? I'm not watching YouTube videos. I'm going to read. It's crazy. Right. And what was your blog called? I know. Is, is I it still the to, same one that you have? It's still the same. Okay. Strongcoffee.com, yeah. C-O-F-F-E-Y. Um, I have to say from a business standpoint, and I know that this is a fitness podcast, but it's all you know, things. It, it's all things to all people, of course, just like the devil. Exactly, um, exactly. It, the fitness devil. I, I never, I never set out to get anywhere. Like yeah. that was never my goal. I never intended to be an online personality. I never imagined that I would be a motivational speaker. These were not goals that I had. Like, and 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 that and and. This, there's a direct parallel between how my business has exploded and how successful I have been at maintaining my fitness transformation is like, I don't, I don't, I don't give any thought to large distant goals. I really just do the best thing that I can do in this moment, in this day. How can I be caring? How can I be of maximum service to the people that need me? What can I do right now, right now to like do to so that tonight when I put my head on my pillow, I feel good about the life that I lived today. And like that has that has blossomed into a killer body and this fabulous life. And what is just the most ridiculously amazing business. And it was all pretty I'm not going to say it was by accident, but it certainly wasn't because I like mapped out a long-term plan. I just showed up every day the best that I could and did the best that I could. So I just want to say that. Well, yeah, obviously you started a blog. It's not like a blog is people were like, I'm going to make millions off the blog. Like you just literally had something to say. And I think that's a good place to start at. This actually, yeah. this actually goes to kind of the next place we were going to talk about and about the, the blog and the success versus now it's Instagram and everything. So the more you're talking about the more deeply integrity based side of the fitness industry that a lot of us come out of, but that that's often losing the battle for reach uh, impact with the broadness of the general popular population against that sexy Instagram world, the popular mm. charlatan selling, as you mentioned, the bulletproof coffee, the coffee cleanses, <laughs> coffee enemas, and what <laughs> that that that, that, that shit animals? is actually yeah it's totally real go google <laughs> it it's terrifying uh what do, what do we as an industry need to do better to reach and help more of those people and get away from that self-congratulatory echo chamber behavior you often see and in our industry industries like us uh yeah just fire away at that one. Oh man well i the echo chamber is is hard. I just 
maybe it just boils down to, and again, there's parallels between business and, and personal slash fitness, right? The more we consume other people's stuff, the less we're focused on doing what we're doing for ourselves. And so, you know, the, the more time we spend online consuming other trainers content that just is in, in perfect alignment with our own, that's who is that serving? That's not so it, it makes us feel good for a second because we feel like our opinions and our thoughts are validated and what we're doing is valid and da 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 da. But and then and then maybe we turn around and write an essay that's slightly different on sort of the same topic that's saying essentially the same thing. Like that's not doing anybody any favors. If we would spend less time consuming and more time creating, you know, and this is a problem that I find um, a lot with the women that I work with is they get completely overwhelmed by the by the overabundance of information that is available about how to get fit. You know, they can spend hours a day on the internet reading about all the different exercises they should be doing and reading about all the different diet approaches that they should be using or reading about all of the different meditation practices that they could be doing. And they literally burn through whole days consuming ideas about how they should act without ever actually taking action. And so I say to them, like, I, you know, I have a, I have a serious conversation. I have had many of these where I say, do you know what would make you feel better? Do you know what diet plan, what nutrition plan, how to eat in order to make you feel your best? And invariably they say, well, uh, yeah, I say, then stop fucking reading about <laughs> diets. Stop looking at fucking pictures on fucking Instagram of food. <laughs> Stop. Because all that is doing is triggering you and making you hungry and making you feel dissatisfied with the dinner that you're making for yourself tonight. Stop it. Do you know how to move and to exercise in a way that makes you feel good? Almost invariably, the answer is yes. Then stop fucking following personal trainers who are telling you how to exercise because all it's going to do is make you feel insecure about doing the the you know hour-long walk that you do after work there's nothing wrong with that walk you don't need to be doing turkish get-ups turkish get-ups are great for the people that they're great for but stop stop consuming and create you know stop consuming and just go out and act and 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 this is sort of this is a really hard thing for people to do to disconnect and to trust themselves and to take action and to trust their own data and to to really internalize that they know what to do for themselves to make them themselves feel good they do with very few exceptions they do and they need sort of a push a kick in the ass to just start doing it instead of consuming and looking for a better idea well plus turkish get-ups are hard when done right <laughs> <laughs> like fuck i can't even learn outside, them. outside of all of that like they that's the one they chose to do like i, I can't learn them i have a mental block with them and i don't teach with clients like the weight stuff is good the weight stuff is good i get your message but like they actually wanted to do Turkish get-ups. Are they crazy? Yeah. And then like, you see who some, says that? And you see an, a, a video of some asshole with like a barbell with 100 pounds and then they're doing a Turkish get-up. It's like, like sweet motherfucking Christ. Like, no. You know what though? It probably, it probably made him happy though. Like that was his 
Like that was his vice. Is like, or that's what made him happy was doing Turkish get up. Clearly, because no one in the right you minds would want to fucking do that with a hundred pound barbell. It's like but watching, that's a perfect oh. example. Like I love doing Turkish get ups, but then I see a YouTube video of Negar Fanuni <laughs> who weighs like a buck seven, soaking wet with steel toe boots on, pressing a hundred pounds, and I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, and all of a sudden, I feel like I'm not doing enough, and I'm not strong enough, and I'm certainly not cool enough and i'm definitely not skinny enough you know and it's so like i have to in order to take really good care of myself i need to focus on my own paper i need to keep my eyes on my own paper and just do and act and not consume not watch what other people are doing and that's perfectly transferable the things outside of triggers with dieting like i remember when i was powerlifting at least at the beginning was i was looking at all these people that were like younger than me or like just a little bit older than me like comparing myself to some of these freak people in this world and it got me nowhere but stressed out. And then the second I let that go, I was a better performer just because I wasn't so right. goddamn stressed out. I'm not Jesse Norris deadlifting 800 pounds at 20 years old. I'll never be right. that. Like, fuck. Right. You're it's on to something. Horrible. It's you horrible. Could, like, oh. The internet's horrible. Like, thank God. To the, honestly, thank God 2005, they didn't have all that shit. You wouldn't have anything to compare yourself to. Now it's like turn on instagram you can compare yourself to like literally everything in two seconds doesn't matter how oh exemplary you are you will find somebody that is just a little bit better in some sort of context and one of my clients i basically told her get all these fucking fitness models off your instagram stop following <laughs> them uh like even these girls you know because like this is one of the most exceptional looking humans on the planet and yet has a talent for finding just those rare few that somehow just look in her mind a little bit more ideal and it's just like nope that's it this shit's gotta go because this stuff is poison so get rid of it now and yeah, yeah it worked yeah. out so going back to this whole thing like I, I i do feel like the industry is getting better at penetrating that mainstream i i think that people like yourself so Lee, who's on the podcast brett Contreras, uh, with his uh, glue guy stuff Mark Fisher, he's actually, we're recording with him tomorrow, so his episode Mark. will follow yours. Love Mark. He's one of the coolest human beings ever. I feel he like really you is. guys, with your message and having a little bit, it, it's not boring, it's not mundane, it's got some flair to it. You bring up uh, like a flirtatiousness and a uh, almost a provocativeness just to your persona, but I feel like you guys are breaking through and getting in more peop- into more people and yeah hey. there we go. <laughs> sorry just i like just i'm thinking Whoops. of the hedonism side i'm like you're she's Whoops. getting into lots of people and crowded getting into that uh that mainstream that people like uh, tracy anderson we were talking i think was mike israel brought her up and you know three pound dumbbells you know women shouldn't lift yeah. more than that and competing with that stuff so I, I feel like it's good and and i just hope it continues to trend in that direction Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, the, the People like Mark Fisher and, and Brett Contreras, they, I mean, they're just such good guys and so easy to connect with. And they do have that like charisma and flirtatiousness. And, 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 but what, what's important is what they're selling. The ideas that they're selling are, are rock solid. Right. And not just I'm not just talking about Brett's ass, like <laughs> everything that they're about is, you know, evidence based and 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 it's real. And they're offering solutions to a broader and broader market. And I just am so 
honored that I get to be a part of that. And to be considered in that group, like to be one of their peers is just, it blows my mind. Well, and we talk about this a lot in terms of like all the shit information that's out there is by a lot of provocative people. And you almost have to get all the smart people to be more provocative. So it's kind of cool to see that there's some better personalities that are a lot smarter putting out good shit as opposed to <laughs> Jillian Michaels again, man. Like every fucking podcast, this girl. And like the Kardashians and stuff in terms of fitness, like they have such huge reach, but they like just drop the ball completely. And it's good to see that more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no doubt our audience, like we have members who struggle with a lot of kind of what we've been discussing. Okay. What message can you kind of offer them for their own battles and give them something that they can take away from you? So give them the Kelly coffee spiel. Something they can take away from me. <clears throat> so, oh man, I offer a, a lot of, of tools, but the one that feels most relevant to me today is, um, is, is that the fact that we, that generation is something that we create and not something that we have to wait to arrive before we take action. Motivation. So the, the body, the body goes first and the head and the heart follow. You, we usually sit around, we burn through hours and days and years waiting for the heart and the head to feel ready to make some change, to take some step, to quit smoking, to, to ask that person on a date, to ask for a divorce, I don't care what it is, to start exercising, to finally give up whatever food it is that you know is making you feel like shit. Whatever it is, like, do not wait. There, the, the waiting is the, like, how to waste your life by Kelly Coffee. Keep waiting to feel motivated to make that change. It's a very short book. I'm sorry that I took $9.95 for it. But, like, you, once you know a decision has to be made in order for you to feel better in your body, in your life, in your profession. I don't care in what context. Once you know that a decision has to be made or an action needs to be taken, that is all you need. You don't need to feel motivated to make that change. You go ahead and you put on your big boy pants and you make that freaking change. And then once you have given yourself an opportunity to experience the pleasure that results from having made that very necessary change, then your heart and your head will begin to go, oh, right. This feels good. I want more. So I'm going to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to follow through in the ways that I need to follow through so that this hit of pleasure can keep coming at me. So that's the thing that I would leave hit, your listeners with hit of today. Pleasure. You just gave me the title. So Perfect. I always like make up the titles like kind of halfway through. If you give me something good, like all the rest was shit, that was good. <laughs> pleasure hit. Pleasure hit. Hit of pleasure is too verbose. It's also your it's also your next book. So when you make that or you have a book, I don't know. If you write a book, it's going to be called The Hit of Pleasure and we'll take like whatever, like a cent off each sale. We're good. <laughs> Wait a minute. I came up with the line. No. Why no. are you getting <laughs> he, he, does, he does this. It's just he, one cent. You'll, you'll deal with him. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Let's take this to something very basic because um, we hear this all the time. Like straight up, how does a message of eat less and move more straight up fail people? Uh... <clears throat> It is, I mean, it's not wrong, right? 
so so many of the things that we attack are sort of fundamentally true <coughs> but but not helpful like the the you have to create a, a caloric deficit in order to lose weight right how do you do that you eat less and you move more all true yes and so incredibly not helpful like how and and this is where coaches become really important someone who can get to know the person and understand what the blocks are and understand why they're eating to excess or why they are stagnant and inactive when we all know all their body wants to do is move. It's getting down to the brass tacks of why that is not happening and empowering the person to do those things despite there being these huge, heavy, lifelong blocks. That is helpful. That is doable. That makes that advice actionable eat less, move more is like, fuck you, eat less, move more. What is that? No, like you know, the... somebody give me a burger and, and a couch stat because it's just, it's just not, it's true, but it's not helpful. It's true, but it's not empowering. It's, it's too simple and there's no context. Like, like right. eat, eat less Oreos, like move, <laughs> like just get some ankle weights on the couch and like flutter my feet. Like it's just... <laughs> Obviously, they're not going to think that. But again, if you have no context to it, like, again, how are they going to self-start? Like, that doesn't give them any direction other it's, than... It's a lot more nuanced and it requires a great deal more support. Right. But, right. Um, okay. So, a lot of people you see in the fitness industry, um, I want to say that people view them as infallible. They can't do any wrong. On your website, you describe yourself as still a work in progress. So what would you say when people are observing social media messages, and we kind of alluded to that already, um, to like us as fitness professionals, like how are they kind of consuming some of the stuff that they see wrong in terms of like what's actually going on in our lives as fitness professionals? Uh, I, I'm not sure that I understand the question. So like, we, we got this picture-perfect trainer, set of mm. six-pack abs, I post a lot of selfies and like my, my life's perfect. You know, every meal is a fucking goddamn dream of vegetables and a little bit of rice and like a clean chicken breast. And we all know for fucking the truth is that there's, that's not how it actually is. So what do you say to see people who are consuming that message and give them like the real talk and like how, like what life actually is like for us and that we're not perfect? Cause some people project that we are. I well, don't. I mean, it takes some critical thinking practice, right? <laughs> Every single thing that we see on social media is a curated, thoughtfully chosen thing. Like it's it's not, you know, if, if there were a random camera just following me around throughout my day, <laughs> that would be uh, devastating and horrible and very embarrassing. But like, there is no way, unless there is someone following someone around 24 hours a day with a camera, there is no way that any of us can imagine for even a second that we're getting an honest representation of their lives. All we're ever getting online is the stuff that people want us to see. And one of the things that makes me uh, a little left of center on social media is that my writing is about my 
my dark times. You know, I'm not, I don't post, I, I never post pictures of perfect food. You know, occasionally I'll post a really cute picture of like me and my kids because they're amazing. But like, it's always, it's always with the caveat that like, Hey, look at this great moment. You, you, it's hard to imagine that they were both screaming and crying five minutes before that, <laughs> because it's critical to me that everyone that follows me understands that I am exactly like them. I actually saw something, uh, I think just the last couple of days, it was a comparison, but, uh, I just saw something on, I think it was Instagram and it talked about how you can take like, pictures of fast food and you can pay, take pictures of fitness models. Well, we all know that, uh, when you get away from the pictures and see it in real life, it's going to probably be a lot shittier. So like you said, a lot of this stuff is very curated and crafted and marketed and it's not really authentic, nor is it a, an accurate picture of what's really going on in someone's life. It is not accurate at all. And the more we consume pictures and content of these like idealized images of food and these idealized images of bodies, the less satisfied we are with the food that we're eating and the bodies that we have. So oftentimes the most caring choice that we can make in any moment is just to turn off the goddamn phone and do something, you know, like actually take an action, go work out, go for a walk, cook yourself a meal, you know, like Focus on the friends that you have and the, you know, completely average bodies that they have and like make connections with people like the less we can consume these idealized images and the more we can just focus on what is happening in our own lives and to our own bodies, the healthier and the happier we'll be. Well, it's totally true that people want, but like, that's the problem. People want to consume the good shit. Cause like, I remember I posted a picture of like, I have like, like that six pack bag and it was at these four like containers and I had all my prep in there, like my vegetables, my rice, and like, I think it was pork anyway. Someone posted like, that's fucking disgusting. And I'm like, well, that's generally what <laughs> I'm eating. Like, <laughs> sorry, I guess I won't post that. Like, I'll post my nice, like, did up dish. Like, when I make an omelet, like, it's going on the plate. I'm not making it look nice. So I think people want that, though. And like, I think that's the problem, the disconnect. And I'm sure that the stuff you had to deal with initially with some of your clients. Well, yeah. And, you know, that's that's really, really sad because we're we're not giving them the truth. We're giving them what they want to see, you know, and 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 the truth is always a lot less sexy than what people are sort of conditioned to want to see and click on. You know, I, I never this is a great example from my own social media feed on Facebook. I'm strong coffee, personal training on Facebook. And the pinned post at the top of my page is a post of a before and after of me. And the before is like me chowing down at a diner at 300 pounds. And the after is me after a hot yoga class wearing a bra and some little shorts. And you can see that I have a six pack and like that image got so much more action than anything else I have ever posted ever. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like I <laughs> bear my soul in my writing. I tell all, you know, I give everything and I, you know, get out of a fucking yoga class and you can see <laughs> that I have defined abs and like, this is the thing. This is the fire on the internet. The world's like, and beat was, it with your information. Like give us some like, six pack. <laughs> Give me some six pack. It's just like, but you know what? 
but because I want to reach people and yeah. because I want to have an impact, you know, and this is the hard thing. Like I have pinned that post to the top of my page. So that is the thing that people see when they come to my page. Well, I would love it if they just wanted to read my latest piece of writing on my blog, but really they kind of want to see my abs. So like, <laughs> well, that's it's the problem. a hard balance to strike. It is. Well, that is the and problem. And we were talking about that with Mike after the podcast was like, He's like, well, where do I stack up in terms of other like big fitness professionals? And I was like, well, in terms of like Jillian Michaels, you're not even fucking close, even though we know Mike Isertel is like a fucking god in this world. And it's that whole idea of you have to sell out the summit, like some instances to get that reach to reach people because doing the nice, normal, like actual truth is generally unsexy. No one wants to see that shit, weirdly enough. And so you have to almost sell your soul just a little bit just to get more people so you can have that impact. Because without attention, you have no impact. Yeah, if no it's one's rough. Reading, if no one's reading your shit, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just tough because I don't, it's just, I say, we always talk about booty pics, but like, I'm not putting up like half nudes in my Instagram. Fuck that. <laughs> but I if I did. You, I can't tell you how many friends have been like, dude, you don't have that many followers on Instagram. <laughs> you should start posting pictures of your ass. And I'm like, no, I'm not posting pictures of my ass. But like probably if I started posting, not to say that my ass is like this spectacular ass, let's all, you know, I'm in my 30s and I used to weigh over 300 pounds. So it might be shared for the wrong reasons, but like, it's an ass. you know, like in, you're an a girl, ass. you're a girl, there's an I'm ass a girl and a girl. And it's an ass. It's my context. following would double if I started doing that today, you know, but I'm not going to do that because that's not what I'm selling. Like. I am selling the truth. I am selling a solution. It's just so unsexy and it's really hard to get the message out and it sucks. <laughs> well, Dean, actually, I think, Dean, maybe you should start putting more like half-naked pics because Fuck you'd that. really tap into the the community of gay men that are looking for fitness uh, uh, advice I'll take, and information. I'll, I'll take it all. It's just like, I just don't, regardless, even if gay men liked it, I just wouldn't want to do it anyways. Like it's... <laughs> Well, I mean, you'd, I'm sure they do. Like, I don't know. Like, you'd whatever. Have, you'd probably have a lot more attention sliding into your DMs in that context. <laughs> yeah, I'll coach. I'll fucking coach you. Yeah. Want more pictures? Sure. Get me twenty. Like, get me a thousand followers. I'll do it. No, I wouldn't. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get DMs now. Fuck. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Send me your DMs. I don't. You're gonna get I'm, a lot more I'm, than DMs, you know dude. I'm married, regardless. So fuck it. Send your DMs. I just won't reply to them. It's not because I don't like gay people. Like I just whatever. Send your fucking DMs. <sighs> Enough with your ideas. Okay. So just to kind of <laughs> close in on this. So we talked about your own battles. Are you are you currently? I guess, and I know the answer, but like what? What are your current battles like right now? Kelly Coffee, 2017, right before 2018. What's what are you currently working on? Oh man. Well, let's see. Professionally, I am working on uh, getting up the steam to finally write a book, and that the is pleasure. its own like whatever. <laughs> I just told you guys uh, the whole motivation thing. Like, don't think, don't wait for your head and your heart to be ready. Meanwhile, I'm like, you know what? I should probably really wait until the perfect time to start doing this book thing. And I know that it's bullshit. And here I am. You know, like. <laughs> I should really, I should really start doing that. And, um, personally, uh, uh, dating, dating is fascinating, fascinating stuff. 
And, uh, and that's sort of its own magical universe of insecurity <laughs> and weirdness. So that's what I'm that working on right now. also helps with the booty pics on the Instagram. Like those would go hand in hand, FYI. You get more oh, dates. should I should I post booty pics and then be like hashtag single yeah. hashtag what's up? <laughs> well, yeah, do you want, do you want, that may work. I don't think that that would pull in the people I'm looking for. But it's the same thing as like, could you reach more people? Like maybe you reach mm-hmm. more people and you get someone that is like unbelievable that you wouldn't have got had you not posted the booty pic and put hashtag single. Just think about that. I, I will. I will give some serious consideration to that, Dean. Thank you. I uh, here, actually, this is a good uh, talking point. So I got some friends, some girls who they yeah. they post. Oh, I some, lost you again. You still, oh. oh, got you. Are you guys there? Yeah. We're there. You good? Oh God! Don't drop off again. Are you there? Are you there? I'm here. Okay, I'm good. Here. We're there. I'm here. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Okay, okay sweet. good. So no stress. I'll start over. So I got a bunch of female friends who they post some pretty provocative stuff, uh, some photos on their social media, and they are personal trainers, and it does attract a very large audience, but. <laughs> A, it's not an audience that's going to deliver them any sort of business or any sort of benefit. And they spend an inordinate amount of time dealing with messages and some inappropriate pictures and a variety mm. of other things that I find it gets, it Dick overwhelms pics. them. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, totally. I was going to say that's the only thing I can <laughs> and, more. Dick pics. Yeah. and it overwhelms them and distracts them. And despite the idea of, oh, hey, I'm having a broader audience, it's completely the kind of audience that is not only not constructive, but it is actually very, very taxing on their time and their energy. So I think that if you're going to take that road and push that boundary, we're, you better already, know what you're getting in. We're already assuming she's doing it. Like she's like in the middle. Of oh, the, that's that's not for Kelly. That oh, is for everyone. That is gotcha. for anyone listening who's even thinking about crossing that. Because you know that's that's a bell. I don't know if you really want to ring that bell. I'm sorry, guys. Can you hang on? I'm trying to get my ass angled in the mirror just right <laughs> with my cell phone. Oh, good. Okay, sorry. We'll, Go ahead. We'll, we'll we'll use that as a graphic to lead for the podcast. We'll release it. <laughs> So uh, now let's that let's, could be the cover of Hit of Pleasure. Let's your go new back. book. Let's go back to well. <laughs> yay! Now, Ask provided by Brett Contreras. What's up? Uh, speaking of books, and I always ask everyone this: uh, Are there any books that you've read that factor into your own personal and professional success? Anything you're reading currently that's really profound? Oh wow! Um, so uh, yes, but it's not. It's about sex. Um, it's called Sutra. Come As You Are, um, and, which is a fabulous title, Come As You Are. <laughs> and uh, it was written by a sex educator, PhD, uh, the former president of the Wellness Center at Smith College. Her name is Emily Nagoski. And it's all about um, sort of women's sexual pleasure and the, and the things that block them from wanting to be sexual. It's a fabulous read for any woman or any man who's interested in having sex with any woman, because I'd say the more you understand about how female sexuality works, the more sex you're going to have, which I think is a benefit to everyone involved. That's probably the driving Except force maybe, for everybody in society right? in a lot of ways, right? Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Order that shit and read it and be a better person. What's up? Yeah, sleep with more people. Women. Sleep with women. More. There's your actionable takeaway from this episode. Yeah, people you, do things right, to be able to sleep with yeah, more people. Yeah, like you get rid of the rest. So much like trouble. It's not good stuff. That was the last like five minutes. Good. 
Um, <laughs> okay, so let's just talk about where people can find you. So your website, your blog is, well, you kind of let us know. Like, What's the best way to see what Kelly Coffee is bringing to the table? Um, Strong Coffee Personal Training on Facebook is the place to sort of like me and follow me. With EY. My blog. It's E-Y, C-O-F-F-E-Y. And then uh, strongcoffee.com is my website and blog. And I am strongcoffeegram on Instagram if you want to see the occasional selfie. I don't really do much on my Instagram, but I'm there. And uh, and I'm pretty sure I have like an OkCupid profile, but I don't know what the URL is for that. (laughs) Well, thanks. Appreciate all that. (laughs) <laughs> other than that i like, don't actually have an okay cupid profile that was just a joke but well, well, i don't know you, you say you're single like <laughs> fuck. you don't want to post instagram pictures so maybe that's the best way i don't know yeah give them no, your give no. them your tinder profile and all that <laughs> yeah, other stuff just, too. it's like actually you know what to be funny. <laughs> this is how you reach me tinder anyways we're not a we're not a we're not a matchmaking podcast okay kelly jesus yeah, yeah no god no i know um, and plus, you guys are trying to cater to the gay men anyway. I know. Yeah, we, I, I'll, we'll cater to whoever the fuck wants to listen. I, you know, I actually, I actually <laughs> train, a, train a bunch of gay men, and they're the the best and the funniest for conversation. Like the stuff you can talk about that they'll say is they utterly are. fantastic. Absolutely, uh, they are the best <laughs> clients to have. <laughs> God love it. All right, so uh, this was amazing, but uh, we're probably out of time and certainly out of questions. So Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate that. And I just want to thank the audience for listening again. We should return soon, maybe next week with Mark Fisher coming up. So look forward to that one. And the big thing is, guys, keep subscribing to our podcast. You know, if you're a, one second. If you're a Kelly Coffee uh, fan who has found us here, and if you really like this, try one of our other episodes. Just try Hannah Gray. Uh, we just released her. You'll really like Hannah a lot. And if you really like that, then you know maybe take a chance on us and subscribe to us and try more of our stuff. So thanks for giving us a chance, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for coming out. Thanks, guys.